Welcome to the City Reach Baptist podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good evening. Uh, my name's Jason, and I uh, hope you're well tonight. Uh, what a beautiful passage uh, we're going to be studying uh, tonight in the book of Acts. It's jam-packed with so much good stuff. Uh, we could spend a couple hours on it, uh, but I can assure you we won't be. Uh, but I want to share with you just a few things that I've been touched by by studying it, uh, and a few ways for us to have life-changing gospel conversations like Philip had. I truly believe Luke has included uh, this story in the book of Acts to remind us that God is eager to use us, ordinary people, to reach out and spread the fame of Jesus among all nations. And we'll see that God gives opportunities to share Jesus to those uh, who are willing to humble themselves in obedience who are willing to live in the centre of his will, who are willing to follow his promptings and take opportunities uh, that come their way and who devote themselves to prayer. You know, what I hope you see tonight are these five things, that the gift uh, of obedience, that you see that it is a gift, obedience. I hope you see the preciousness of God's will and the way that God prompts us I hope you see the need to take opportunities. And I hope you see the importance of prayer. And let's do that right now. Let's pray. God, I ask that as we look at your word and as we seek to understand it, that we'd be able to throw off the distractions of the world, of the world that anything that could be hindering us from studying your word and, and for it to change our lives, that God, I just pray that those distractions would be removed right now that we would leave this place changed because of the power of your word as it's ministered to us. And so, God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's be honest. When was the last time that you had a life-changing gospel conversation? I was talking with someone from our church community uh, recently, and they, they work in a, in a profession where they help uh, hurting people. And there's a particular person that she has been working with uh, who's struggling, he's a struggling alcoholic. And recently she had the opportunity to, to say to this man who was just, his hopelessness is so sad, she had the opportunity to say that you need Jesus. And this man has, he saw his need for Jesus and he's turned his life around and he's, uh, he's given his life to the Lord Jesus. He surrendered his life to Jesus. And what an amazing story because now this guy has the power of the Holy Spirit in him now, helping him through his alcoholism. It's an amazing story. Do you want life-changing gospel conversations like this? This is amazing. His life has been changed for eternity. You know, we're coming to a, a month called Mission Month in the life of our church and this isn't a month where we, we restrict all of our evangelism to one month. It's not when the only time that we, we share our faith, but this is a month where we have a heightened awareness of our need to reach our city with the gospel. 
It's, it's, a, it's a month where we're going to be spurring on one another uh, to, to share our faith, and we're going to be praying fervently that God would give us opportunities. You know, are you genuinely looking forward to this month as a church to be bold in our faith? Philip is an amazing example of someone who had these opportunities often, and there was a key to him having these opportunities to share his faith, and that was his obedience. The start of our passage, what does it say? Well, it said, an angel of the Lord said, rise and go to a desert place. And what did Philip do? He rose and he went. Obedience is the key to having life-changing gospel conversations. Now, when it comes to obedience, it can be misunderstood as just uh, someone just trying to work their way into the favour of God. But obedience is a gift, and I hope that you will see that. It means uh, to, to, to be obedient, it means to comply with a higher authority. And since God is all-knowing and all-powerful, perfect in all of his ways, the one true God, we do well to try to understand what obedience to God looks like, who is the highest authority and because that is going to be the best place to be in obedience to God. God's word says in Ephesians 2, do we know it? We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we know famous, the famous words of the Great Commission that we are to, to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe the commands that Jesus has made. Followers of Jesus have been made to walk in a particular manner and have a call on their life to follow. And so when we follow these plans God has for us, we're walking in obedience with God. And one, obedience is wonderful. And Philip's example of obedience to God shows that obedience wasn't oppressive but that it enabled him to have life-changing gospel conversations. In the same way that a traffic light doesn't hinder us, uh, that it actually helps us uh, as we obey it, it brings safety and clarity. In fact, I was very grateful for it this morning as someone was about to run a red light and I was on the horn. I was very grateful for it. Obedience to God benefits us and certainly will help us as we'll see, to know when to go. Obedience is the key to having opportunities. And when you live in obedience to God, it leads to a life in the center of God's will. To have life-changing gospel conversations, we live in obedience and we live in the center of God's will. I think at some point we've probably all been searching for the will of God, and, and I like to think of it in this way, and, and John Piper describes it really helpfully. That is, uh, God's will of decree, that is, his sovereign and unchanging will. Like when Jesus said, let this cup pass by me, but not my will, your will, Father. And how the Father's will was that Jesus, who knew no sin, would become sin, and drink the cup of wrath that we might become the righteousness of God, that 
was his will of decree. It was final and it was accomplished in Jesus. The other will of God can be referred to as the will of his command. Like in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, it says, This uh, is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. God's word here says that for the unmarried couple who had sex yesterday, the person who looked at pornography before coming to church, the person who lusted after someone made in the image of God this week, they have fully contradicted the will of God. On the other hand, if they, were to, they fled from uh, sexual immorality, if they pursued what is pure and what is holy, if they desired what God desired, they will have been living in the will of God. And I believe the life of Philip gives us a great example of someone who was living in the, in the will of God's command on his life, which led him to great opportunities to share the gospel. Now, Philip, he, uh, he isn't the apostle Philip that Jesus interacted with through, through the gospels and who we see at the very start of the book of Acts. It's, this is Philip the deacon, a different man. And he was one of the chosen, uh, and if you're, if you're in your Bible uh, in chapter 8, where we are, if you were to flick back a page into chapter 6, you'll see in, in verse 3 that there was a complaint uh, that rose up among the people, the early church, and there, there was a need for, for men to rise up and take responsibility in the church so the apostles could be devoted to prayer and preach the word of God and what was the requirements of the seven men that they needed in verse 3? They were to pick out from among them seven men of good repute, that is uh, highly regarded among the people, but full of the Spirit, that is someone that lived a life continually influenced by God, and someone full of wisdom. And Philip was a man who was obedient to God, Desiring to live in the will of God, a life of good repute, continually living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. And so when, we, when he heard the command of the angel to go, he rose and he went. And this is his character. Now when I reflect on my life, I think, how do I... How do I know if I'm living in the center of God's will? Well, firstly, I know if I'm following in the steps of Philip. Philip is a great example. He's someone who embodied Romans 12, who presented himself as a living sacrifice, which was pleasing to God. He was someone who didn't speak. He didn't just speak in a godly manner, but lived in a godly manner. Someone who didn't obey just out of obligation, but out of a life of transformation. And secondly, I know I'm living in the center of God's will for my life when I realize it's not so much about what I do, but what about what Jesus has done? Jesus is the perfect example of living in the center of the Father's will, the perfect sacrifice. And his obedience means I don't have to strive to earn God's grace. And it means that his obedience means that I can just simply serve out of receiving the gift of grace 
two amazing examples for us to follow. So obedience leads to opportunity to have life-changing gospel conversations, and obedience looks like this, living in the center of God's will by following examples like Philip, a man full of good repute, full of the spirit, full of wisdom. But we are especially living in the will of God when we are resting in the person who has perfectly lived in the center of God's will, and that is Jesus. Now, I'm challenged uh, by whether or not I'm living in the will of God right now. Now, Am I really decreasing that Jesus would increase in my life? Am I actively in pursuit of living a life that, that builds godly character? where my actions and decisions are God-honouring? Is that me right now? I wonder if you feel a bit challenged by that too. I just wanted to really sense that in, the, in preparation, I just sense that we might just pause right here, that we might just pray, and pray that the Holy Spirit might illumine some things in our life that are preventing us to live in the centre of God's will. So would you just pray with me quickly? God, I just pray for those like me who sense that their character is not modelling the character that Philip had and the perfect character of the Lord Jesus. Help us to make decisions that would improve in this area. God, we need to be humbled. Pride can be so damaging. God, just humble us, we pray. And God, like me, sometimes we feel like we don't have a continual feeling of the Spirit that would influence everything that I do. And so I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters here that we would be bold and humble enough to ask you, Holy Spirit, for a fresh feeling now. Why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit for his help right now? God, we just thank you for this moment to pause and to pray to you. And God, we just ask that you would continue to keep speaking to us. Amen. So I hope that you've been able to see a bit clearer the evidence of someone living in the centre of God's will, in obedience to God. And when we're living in the centre of God's will, we should expect God to move in our lives. And so we must follow the prompting of the Spirit. Philip was someone who, who knew that the will of God was on his life. He was already stepping out in obedience, going into the unknown, and that's when he experienced God's prompting. Being active in going will experience the Holy Spirit's prompting. Look down at verse 27 in our text. He rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. I love the urgency of Philip. He ran. This is a man who has stepped out in faith and has realized the reason that he was sent. 
The prompting of the Spirit was only realized when he actively stepped out and he'd seen what was before him. This great opportunity. The, the Ethiopian man, so he was a court official and a eunuch, which meant he looked after the finances of that uh, royal kingdom, uh, the Ethiopian kin- kingdom. This eunuch d- dealt directly with the, uh, the queen's treasure and therefore he was in direct contact with the queen. And because of this high position, he was castrated. Now, I'm about to make you feel very uncomfortable. And the men in the room, very squeamish. Because this brutality involved removing the testicles, and in some cases, the male organ, altogether. This reduced the chances of disloyalty and many other problems in that kingdom. The reason I say this is not to try and be funny, but it's because castration was absolutely not okay with God and his law for worship. Deuteronomy 23, it literally says, no one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of God. So this is actually very serious for this man. In our text, we have a God-fearing man eager to worship the God of Israel, but he wouldn't have been able to worship him properly because of his condition, and because of his title. But he was in pursuit of knowing God. It's clear, we see that, he had been in Jerusalem to worship and was now reading the word of God. He was hungry for God. The eunuch was ready to receive the good news of Jesus. And Philip was given that opportunity to share through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, it must be said at this point, no matter where you come from, how you were raised, uh, what, you've been, what you've done in your life, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. Now, you may be feeling inadequate or that you are too far gone. Rest assured, God calls people to himself and the gospel is for everyone. Tonight, you, you are able to turn from your own will and the sin that's preventing you from being right with God, and you are able to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus. We, as a church family here, we are family. And so let us help you make that decision. We would love, and we we would find that a great privilege and honor to be able to help you make that decision. Speak with the person you came with. Speak with the various leaders and pastors up the front afterwards. Call the church office Speak to me afterwards. Let us help you surrender to the Lord Jesus tonight. The gospel is for everyone. When we live in obedience to God in the center of his will, we will have opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with others. And the Holy Spirit helps us through his prompting. Now, last time I preached... Um, we looked at the need to devote ourselves to prayer and the opportunities to, uh, to share our faith. It was about boldness. And what I didn't have a chance to share uh, that night was that in the lead-up to that, that night where we came around God's Word, um, 
I was praying for opportunity. I was praying for boldness. And God give, gave me an opportunity. I, I was in, a, in an impromptu visit to the dog park with my cute dog, uh, we, uh, which only takes about half an hour. I ended up being there for four hours. It was ridiculous. Um, I met this lovely couple uh, who had one dog in the vet surgery, having some procedure, and they were trying to entertain their other dog for a few hours. And we struck up a conversation, and it was, it was wonderful. And, but you know what? I just felt like I couldn't leave. We were just talking about random stuff. And I'm an introvert, and so I can very easily uh, just bail out whenever I want uh, because I, I don't like big crowds and, you know, I get awkward in conversations. I'm very shy. Um, I'm sure other introverts would know what I'm talking about. But I just couldn't leave this time, and I can't really explain it. And we were talking for a while, and then they turned the conversation to spiritual matters. And I was very intrigued, and I was a bit shocked. And so we, the convers- I was trying to steer the conversation back to that, and we were able to have this great conversation about uh, godly living. And they, they might have been believers, actually, but they did have, it did seem that their f- uh, faith was all about just doing lots of really good things and trying to be nice to everyone, and that's what's going to give them access to God and access to heaven. And so... Now, I wasn't as bold as I wish I could have been, but I did have the opportunity to say a few things, and I believe God gave me the ability to do this, but I was able to say that Jesus actually has done all the work for you. Uh, You don't have to strive like you're saying. Uh, He he went to the cross for you, and that uh, I was able to encourage them to read their Bibles if they had one and, and to read through the Gospels and learn about the life of Jesus. They told me, uh, they asked me to watch this weird video that I haven't watched. Um, but I reciprocated and said, I'd love for you to watch a video too on YouTube. Um, and so I was able to direct them to a, um, uh, just what I know is a very good Gospel presentation. And uh, they actually lived down south and I was able to just say, if you ever felt... Um, like you wanted to connect with the church community. We have a church down there, City Rich Marion. They would love to, to get around you if you felt like you, that's something you'd want to do. Um, and so I'm very grateful for that, that opportunity. I don't say that to puff myself up because there's many things that I wish I'd done and drive home, I was kicking myself. But, but I say it because God kept me there and, and God was prompting me and he confirmed it was all part of his plan. And that that moment was all part of his plan. And as I said, I I could have bailed out at any time, but I felt like I couldn't go anywhere. And when the conversation went to these spiritual things, it was just like a light bulb moment. And I knew this was actually an answer to my prayer. I'd been given the opportunity to share about Jesus. I wonder when was the last time you experienced the prompting of the Spirit? This is admittedly the first time in a long time for me. And I fully believe that it was only because I devoted myself to prayer. I believe that there is a link with experiencing God's prompting and also going. You know, we can pray all we like, and we can hope for great opportunities, and we should. We should be persistent in that. 
but we also must be actively going, stepping out in faith that God will lead us to where he wants us, all for his glory and honour. Now, in my situation, I, I didn't get an audible voice that said, go to the dog park today. And there definitely wasn't a voice that said, speak to those people. Um, and there wasn't a voice that said, stay, stay here. And nor on the way home did I hear a voice that said, that was my will for you, Jason. So how do I know it was the will of God? Well, here's just a few things I know, and I think we know, we all know. I know that I prayed for opportunity and that God answers prayers. I know that as a follower of Jesus, God wants me to share my faith with others. I know that he cares about these, those people in the dog park. And so it became somewhat obvious as the events were unfolding and then very obvious after the event. But what about when God calls us to the radical? I mean, the dog park wasn't heaps uh, risky. What about when God doesn't open an opportunity for, for work in your hometown, but he does in another state or another country? What about when that uni offer that you really hoped for doesn't happen? How do you know if that's of God? Well, all I do know is that taking a risk and trusting God, committing it to him in prayer, that is worth it. The risk for me was that I might have got ridiculed, and Philip's risk was that he went to the desert place, which seemed crazy because he came from such a, a, a successful ministry stint in Samaria. It says there was much joy that was brought to that city. But sometimes we only know if we go. And so I, I just encourage you to go, to commit it to God, to step out in faith, and you will either experience the prompting of the Holy Spirit as before you go or as you're going or, or long after you've gone. But rest assured, you will certainly be able to look back and see the hand of God over that moment. And so obedience leads to opportunity to have life-changing gospel conversations. And, and obedience involves, firstly, uh, living in the center of God's will by following Examples like Philip and, and Jesus. And secondly, by following the prompting of the Spirit as we go, because when we go, we will know it is of God. And finally, our obedience does involve needing to take the opportunity when it arrives. Verse 30 in our passage, Philip's, Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I? unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip up to come up and sit with him. Don't you wish every gospel conversation could be like this, oh, that easy? I mean, Philip was invited uh, to share the gospel, but it's not always like that, is it? In any case, though, we must, like Philip, be present and very much looking for the opportunity when an open door is open to share my open door in the dog park, that was when they turned things to spiritual conversations. I was like, that's it. For Philip, he had an invitation to come up. 
to teach. The alcoholic I mentioned at the start, his utter despair and hopelessness, our church member could see that was her open door to be bold and to share her faith no matter the cost. Who's on your heart at the moment? Who is it that you've been praying for? Maybe the the prayer could be adjusted a bit and ask for clarity for an open door, that you might see the opportunity and to be bold. Now, we get to a part of this text where we see the providential hand of God in this situation. The very section of the book of Isaiah that the eunuch was reading was, in fact, the gospel. And in fact, we, we read uh, the, the verses just prior to it. Isaiah 53, uh, 7 to 8. And we, we read uh, verse 6 in our time of communion tonight. It says, Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth, and his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The sacrifice of this suffering servant in Isaiah, his humility, obedience to death, the injustice of and evil of the people who did it, the eunuch wants answers. And Philip takes the opportunity, prompted by the Holy Spirit, to explain to him who this is about. Verse 35 Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about who? Jesus. The message of Jesus, the Messiah, fully man, fully God, the one who humbled himself and sacrificed himself, dying on a cross, but who was victoriously raised from the dead, that we might have a way to be reconciled to God in trusting in him. That is what changes lives. And you know what, that is what should motivate us as believers to go and share the good news with others. What's the result of this divine appointment with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch? Well, it would appear that this eunuch surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus and that Philip had explained that baptism was a crucial part uh, and crucial aspect of confessing your faith Verse 36 says, see, here is water. So they both went down and the eunuch was baptized. It's a beautiful story of a life transformed because someone someone faithful to God shared the good news about what Jesus has done for them. That because of Jesus, he now did have access to the living God and could worship him. Perhaps the true beauty and the ultimate outcome of this divine appointment is God's heart for the nations being realized. God said that the witness of Jesus would go to the ends of the earth, and many believe that Ethiopia was just that, and that this eunuch actually went back to, to share the good news. In fact, there's a book written in about 180 AD by Bishop Arrhenius, And it states that he states that he did go on to become a missionary, interestingly enough. But what I find so wonderful is that 
If the eunuch had kept reading in Isaiah, he would have read a promise of God now having been fulfilled. And we can read that together. Isaiah 56 verse 3. Let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me, And hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Folks, what is at stake if we do not live a life of obedience? Salvation, the salvation of others. This eunuch received salvation through his conversion and it is very likely he is the reason the gospel was able to go so far beyond Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now like the Ethiopian after conversion, can you remember the joy that you experienced when someone reached out to you? At the end of verse 39 it says he, he went on his way rejoicing. We have been entrusted as believers with the responsibility to go and share Jesus. God uses us, so will you go? If we aren't experiencing unique opportunities to share the gospel, maybe we need to consider if we are truly living in the will of God, if we are in step with the Holy Spirit, and following his promptings. And maybe we're not willing to take the opportunities in our places of influence. We need to call out to God for opportunities to share the gospel with others. And he will be faithful to do so. God loves obedience. Who is the person God is leading you to have a life-changing gospel conversation with this week? My charge to you would be pray for opportunities and then step out in faith that God will give you everything you need to be able to minister to them and be a blessing. I really believe Luke, the author of this book, includes this story in the book of Acts to remind us that God is eager to use ordinary people like you and me without prestigious titles to reach out and spread the fame of Jesus in all the nations. God will give us opportunities to share Jesus with others, but only if we're willing to humble ourselves before the highest authority, if we're, only if we're able to submit ourselves in obedience, live in the center of his will, follow his promptings, take the opportunities that come our way, and most importantly, devote ourselves to prayer. Let's pray.